Welcome to a special edition of the 40 Teams Fire American Soccer Show. USA at El Salvador World Cup qualifying post-match show. As the United States head down to the Cus Castellan in El Salvador. And it ends up being a scoreless draw where the United States had their opportunities, had their chances, had some moments, had maybe a couple of scary moments, but in all honesty, the USA found a way to take a point away from Central America. And as of right now, they are in the locker room, they're in the clubhouse, inside stadium in El Salvador, and they find a way to take that point home as they will now head back to the United States to take on Canada this Sunday evening at the Nissan Stadium in Nashville, Tennessee. So it's going to be a fun one. It'll be an interesting one. It should be an excellent time on Sunday. And we shall see what will happen then. But in this one, I gotta be honest with everybody. I gotta be honest. I'm glad they took a point home. I am. It would have been fantastic to see this young national team come up big and steal the full three points from Central America, from El Salvador. But in fairness, this is what you had to expect. This was not a cakewalk. This was not a a place where you can easily come up and basically put in goal after goal after goal. This was not going to happen. When you are performing road matches in CONCACAF, it is a battle. It is a hard-nosed battle. And you have to expect anything and everything when you are playing these opponents in an area that you are not comfortable in. You have to hope and pray that everything is going to go your way. If not, you got to improvise. Joining me right now, joining me tonight on this post-match show, this gentleman, as everyone knows, formerly of Fox Soccer Channel, 
working with the LA Galaxy, Pac-12 Soccer, Pac-12 Channel in Los Angeles. Christian Miles joining me to discuss this one. Christian, from your side of things, is this what you expected, or do you hope there would have been more from the USA in this ma- in this opening match in the octagon? Well, thanks for having me on, Danny. First of all, no, to answer your first question, massively disappointed. I thought I was sloppy. I was disjointed. I thought there was a lack of coherency. No synchronization between the lines. I'm I'm really disappointed. Um, you can paint this in a rose-colored type of guise if you want and look through it through the rose-colored glasses and like, oh, we got a point away from home. Um, the bottom line is we should have won this game. We have the talent edge. We have the resource edge. And we underachieved. And I, I, I'm really kind of not flabbergasted at this point in the campaign, but amidst the optimism, amidst this golden generation, amidst the talent gap, this is a massive underachievement. And I understand your feeling. I completely do. There were moments where you thought, at least at the opening 15 minutes, to me, it felt like they were on their game, that El Salvador were on their heels, that the U.S. should have done better with some of their chances. But then as the game went on, El Salvador was allowed to take over. I really thought that uh, El Salvador was going to find a way to beat Matt Turner, but Matt Turner found a way to stop some of these shots. I don't think it was tested all the way, but he looked solid in net, and I think that's the only good thing you can say. Um, I thought Tim Ream looked solid being back as a center back, not a fullback. Being, him being a fullback, in my opinion, was the wrong idea from Burhalter to give him that opportunity. Just should have remained as a center back. But outside of that, you are completely correct. Disjointed all over the place. Attacks here, nothing there. What do you think Greg Burhalter needs to do to fix this for the next uh, qualifier at home against Canada? Uh, you know what? I think this is a team that just needs to go back to basics because, to me, it just looks like a team that was just thrown out there, that didn't know each other, that really didn't know the tendencies, had no, there were no patterns of play. I mean, I don't want to be a poop, be completely negative here, but I'm, I'm, I'm really struggling to find anything positive about the coherency, the, the patterns of play. What were they trying to do out there tonight? And we had some forays forward from the fullbacks. Uh, and, and, and Sergeant, and it's not a lack of work ethic. It's just a lack of understanding. There's just there's a lack of direction. There's no identity with this team. I mean, I don't know where to begin with this, and I'm not smart enough to figure it out here, Danny, but I just don't see a direction that they're going in. It, it, it's, it's hapless, aimless. It, it's kind of scattergun to put it out there, and we should have speedrolled this team. And... I think what we need to do is when you get in these situations like this and any manager finds himself up against the wall or herself against the wall and their team, you go back to the basics. You go exactly what you need to do, and that means you don't let the goals in. You go back. You get your shake. You go into the most basic fundamentals understanding of the game, and you try and exploit what you can on the break. Um, and as sad as that may be, and I know that goes 
against the grain and the popular consensus is we want to be proactive. You've got to stop the opposition first before you can mount any sort of assault going forward. Um, but this is a rethink. This is a massive wake-up call because this whole honeymoon thing, this whole we're better than this, we have this golden generation of players, it's not good enough. It just flat out is not good enough. It's very true. Very, very true. Just didn't look good enough. It didn't look strong enough. There was a lot of, I mean, I, I felt there were moments where the players really got dispossessed very easily. Yes. A lot of miscommunication on the field. Oh, too, too many 1v1s were lost all over tonight. Danny, that, you hit the nail on the head. Any manager will tell you you've got to win your duels. You've got to win your 1v1s, period. And it wasn't done tonight. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. And that's the one thing I think, as you said before, Christian, you know, this, this team is supposed to be our golden generation right now. Everything that they have done so far has been a positive up to this point, and they need to find a way to get that mojo back. Look, I understand Pulisic wasn't out there because of the coronavirus situation. There were some injuries. We all know Zardes pulled a, a hamstring uh, in MLS on the road against the Red Bulls about a week or two ago. Okay, that's fine. You have some of these players that were doing well in Europe, did well in the Nations League semis and the final. What do you think Greg Berhalter is missing? What do you think he is missing in his tactics? What do you think he is missing from getting these players to play at the level they should be playing since these past two tournaments came and went in from June till August? Give me a shape. If I asked you, what did we play today? From minute 25 to minute 65 to minute 90, it changed with every minute of the game. The team had no shape. There is no continuity between the lines. It, there was nothing there. Where there were 11 guys trying to link. Try, and it wasn't a lack of graft. It wasn't a lack of effort. There is no common directive or identity or shape to this team for it to pose any difficulty. It was way too stiff. It was all in front of El Salvador tonight. Not much behind the defense for the United States, but that was to be expected. And we were expected to dominate this. This team can't possess. Um, they are comfortable out of possession in fifth and starts. And they do have a physical edge, but in terms of a, a congruity, in terms of a, an assemblance of a pattern and how we're going to approach the game on the front foot, I don't see anything there. And that, that's where I'm, at this point in the tenure of this team and the, the caliber of opposition, it's not about individual talent. It's about coming together as a group. And look, Greg Verhalter has a monumental task in front of him because trying to put together a, a team of players in the midst of this pandemic that play all over the world and trying to get them together to come together as one, you know, congruous unit as a whole is, is extremely difficult, and I sympathize with that, but this is just not how it's done. 
I, I don't see a pattern of play. I see no identity. I don't know what shape we had tonight. There's, I saw no shape whatsoever other than four at the back. Um, and we were bailed out, quite frankly, by you know Turner on several occasions. Matt, Turner should not have to be in that position in the first place. Um, I, I'm kind of upset, you know. I just don't, I don't understand what's going on when you see a team with this much talent and this much this many accolades individually. You expect more, and, we, and, and you and I and anybody as a fan should expect more because you know this is the delivery of promise of expectation. But expectation at, at some point has to be realized, and it's not being realized. And when you talk about what we've achieved and what we've done, this team hasn't done anything yet. We've, we've done Coffee Cap Nations League, and we've done the Gold Cup, and that's great, and, and a, you know, a feather in their cap. But it's, this is the real, this is the rubber hitting the road, and this is when it counts. And in any game of Coffee Cap and in Mexico, we'll tell you, they don't give a rap, you know what, about what happened in the Gold Cup. But they could care less about the Cagayab Nations League. This is where it counts, and it has to, it just has to be better, Danny. I just, I couldn't answer your question, to be honest, but that was a long-winded explanation. My apologies. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's all right. This is, this is why it's an honest show. This is why we come in here, we show our, uh, our passion, we show our beliefs in this national team, and when things don't go well, we talk about why it didn't go well. And it didn't go well, especially that big moment early in the first half. The free kick by Gio Reyna delivered beautifully, and it felt like the Gold Cup final in extra time where Miles Robinson got into a perfect position Hmm. when Kellen Acosta gave him that uh, free header. Actually, I say, you know, Mexico gave Miles Robinson a free header opportunity, and he buried that ball. And unfortunately, Miles Robinson, who had that great moment again, could not bury the ball, went wide, didn't hit it down on the turf, didn't go into the back of the net. It completely missed the net. It was just, oh, that was the moment there where you really could have put El Salvador on their heels for the rest of the night. And it just did not connect this time. I was slightly surprised at how well El Salvador actually defended set pieces. And you're absolutely right about the instance with Robinson, who got himself free and in between the lines, you know, timed it to perfection. Whether it was offside, that's another whole debate. Um, That's an area of the game where, you know, going back to the modern era of American football, where the U.S. has historically dominated prior to this most recent of coaching regimes, of course. But, you know, we're, we're a team that's known for power and set piece and dead balls, and we do have a physical advantage. I don't think that was exercised tonight. I don't think it was exploited. Um, I, I credit that half in part to Hugo Perez, who's an adroit, astute manager who knew exactly the, the dangers that this team from the United States possessed. And a tip of the hat to him, um, I thought it was uh, El Salvador team. It's going to be much happier with the point that we are. They kept their shape. I uh, didn't get rattled. Um, obviously, there was a little bit of an edge there, a little bit of concacafisms, if you will, um, with the extracurriculars. But, um, you know, I, I think this is a, a moment for fans to be brought back down to earth and say, you know what, we can talk about, and you and I can pontificate and 
you know, all the hot shots in the media down to Alexia Lawless to anybody pontificate about the potential and how great our team is and our players playing in Dortmund and in the Serie A, you know, the Premier League. But when you play international football, it's about what you do on the field as you come together as a team. And, you know, it's always greater than the sum of its parts. And tonight that wasn't the case with the United States, even though our parts are far superior individually, you know, man for man, in terms of the team comparison, El Salvador arguably was a better team. And, and they certainly got more out of their team than we got out of our team tonight. And they can be proud. And hats off to them. I mean, I, I commend the Salvadorians. They were brave. And they were at home. But they sustained the pressure. They made the United States attack look, you know, a little pedestrian and ordinary. And, and you know, just an overall lack of ideas. I thought it was the United States, you know, missing a lot of ideas. And whether or not Christian Pulisic or Timothy Weah could have added to that, of course, that's, uh, you know, a subjective opinion. And certainly they probably would have helped matters. But, you know, we have enough talent base where we should be able to compensate for that and overcome that and overcome our opponent and an opponent that we should have overcome tonight. Um, but that wasn't the case. And, you know, onward. And, that, and you take this and you want to stack points up in this early stages of the Ocho and the octagonal. And now we come up against a Canada team. We talk about a United States team in the midst of a generation. This is a Canada team, for me, that's going to pose a heck of a lot bigger threat than what we saw tonight. A better team, better players, man for man. Um, And the United States has a fight on its hands. Mm -hmm. When you look at this region, and you've been through watching anything and everything. You've seen past Gold Cups. You've seen past World Cup qualifiers, whether it be here in the States, down in Mexico, Central America, even down in the Caribbean. Have you ever seen a field, granted it used to be the Hex, now it's the Octagon. When have you ever noticed a field like this and the amount of talent that is now on display worries you that any match at home, and even though we've got better players ourselves doing wonderful things, playing in big European leagues, is this, is this the octagonal that really puts the fear in your mind that we got a problem here you, you know, you draw draw on the road fine, but we cannot drop points at home. I don't think it's time to push the panic button yet, Dan. I'm, you know, obviously this is the first of you know 14 games, so there's plenty of room for improvement, and it's not without positivity and, and, and certain positive attributes in the play, but also. I think as being around this game, this country, as a member of the media for 25 years, we get wrapped up in our own glories and our, our club accomplishments with our individual players, and we tend to accentuate the individual over the collective. And I think that's the case with this team. And certainly man for man in this region, arguably amongst the better teams in the world, the United States is right up there. we if you went man for man down the roster, we're superior to Mexico, we're superior to any team that pumped calf. But that doesn't really mean anything until you go out and play. 
and we've seen this so many times. We, you going back to the Portuguese generation with Quoto, and 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 such in Portugal, and then liken it to Belgium right now, who haven't really achieved their full potential, and the, the, the you know the and like what Italy did at the Euros was the antithesis of individual talent. So it's, individual talent is great, and you need it, and you need those moments where you can have a moment of individual brains to bail out of the malaise and a rather pedestrian, ordinary, if not poor performance. And I think we have that. We didn't get it tonight, but we do have that in our locker. Um, in the long run, it, on the balance, you're not going to win games, and you're not going to be a good national program or a national team to do that. It's got to come together as a team. And, and you know, you can't really judge the United States too much on just one game. And I don't want to be Debbie Towder here, but, you know, it, it's not a positive sign. And there's nothing within our play, regardless of the result was. Yes, the result sucks. We should have had three tonight. And we should have walked away out of this game resounding winners. But you look at the play. What... If I ask you, what impresses you about the play about this team and what excites you about the play of this team? I'd have to say nothing. Absolutely nothing inspired me to feel good about this U.S. team on this game alone. Now, obviously there's room for improvement and it could change in Canada against Honduras, but based upon tonight, I saw nothing out there that led me to believe that we are going to be better against Canada and I don't feel good about the way we played it wasn't positive football. It was reactive football. And you can't be that. You need a vision. You need to be proactive, and you need to take it to your opponent. We didn't take it to the opponent tonight. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. I, I can definitely see what you're saying, and definitely it, it, it's worrisome at the moment. It's only the first game out of 14, but still, though, the hope and the prayer is that this does not continue on, like you've said. There's got to be some room for change. There's got to be some room to get these players to understand that you cannot play scared or you just cannot force a round peg into a square hole. You cannot lose the ball in the most important parts of the pitch, and that is in the opposition's penalty area. cannot lose the ball there. You gotta be a little bit more direct, but at the same time, you gotta be a little more smart when you do have possession of the ball. And you also have to recognize where you are on the pitch when you are moving the ball up, and then where you're going to pass it to. Because you need to understand there's gonna be moments where El Salvador is gonna clog up the middle of the of the field. They'll probably send one or two players wide to prevent the cross. You have to pay attention to what they are doing, and you also have to watch your teammates of where their position is on the pitch to accept the pass. And I think that's what was lacking in this one tonight. Yeah, I think what you're describing is patterns in play and ideas and an overall philosophy and how to implement that, and I didn't see that tonight. You know, there's some scattergun, if you will, word I like that, <laughs> scattergun moments <laughs> of individual brilliance where we've seen, you know, Death have a flurry, a couple of step overs, but 
nothing collaborative and nothing in unison in a, in a team overall philosophy. I just don't see it. And, and that's what alarms me because at this point, the stage of the program and how long Greg Berhalter has been in charge, I expect to see that. You know, I mean, we know how England's going to play. And we know how the Italians are going to play. You know, we know how the Portuguese are going to play. We know how the Spanish are going to play. Do we know how the Americans are going to play? Can you put your finger on that? There's no. Mm. And, it, and, it, and the players feel that, and they know that. And I don't think they know, ultimately, they know how to play football. They're extremely good footballers individually. But in terms of a team collective and ethos and, and the philosophy, I don't think they have a clue on how we want to go about beating our opponent. Let me ask you this. Do you feel, and I, I mean, you know, I don't want to nitpick, but I think we're all nitpicking anyway, but it's going to happen regardless. But do you have a feeling that Sergio Dest does not fit what Greg Berhalter wants him to do? Do you feel that he's just not fitting in what his talents, which we know what he's capable of doing, but do you feel it does not fit what Greg Berhalter wants him to do? It's a fair point. I think you. I think Sergio Dest is one of the best footballers on this team, and he has to be a part of this team, and he has to be a, a part of the first eleven in my book, whether it be right back or left back, wherever you want to put him. Um, and it's certainly, I, I've, I feel that he is a player that's frustrated with the lack of. I don't know what the word might be, coherency with his teammates, connection with his teammates. He, I think he feels that there is no recollection or, or pattern of play that they have established for him to understand what his teammates are going to do. And I feel that he's frustrated by that. And he's taken that upon his shoulders to do everything he can individually to do his best. And, and God bless him. He's, he's, you know, he's playing his heart out. But he's also, I think he's a frustrated individual and that also comes off poorly upon him at times because it can be a reflection of being selfish. Um, and yeah, I think I think he, he might be onto something there. There could be a miscommunique with the head coach and whether that is a fault of the player or the coach, who knows? That's just speculation. Um, but the, the point being is the ideas and the philosophy have it trickled down from a central mission statement to the field and how the players can execute this because it looks like a team that is, is devoid of clear ideas, for lack of a better way to put it. I think he is a player that's frustrated by this because he's clearly capable and he's clearly amongst the best technical players this team has, both teams tonight. So... There's a place for him. He's got to be in this team, and they've got to make it work. Because if he doesn't, as a massive omission for the United States, there's no excuse for him. He has to be out there for the United States to have a good run to qualify and ultimately, hopefully, to succeed in Qatar in 2022. That's the big hope. That's the big question mark that we're all asking here. You know, is he really working well with his teammates on this national team? He's got 
I would say maybe a, another opportunity and a half to go out there and prove that he can. But we'll just have to wait and see what's going to happen and who Greg's going to put out there um, in that starting 11 against Canada over in Nashville. What do you think about a town it's like Reina? I mean, I'll, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's just interesting because the, the United States has some fullback debates up, and you know this is a guy that's playing for Barcelona, and he plays well for Barcelona, so he's good enough for the United States, and it's not a question of him being good enough. So if if he finds himself on the bench, uh, that's interesting. And, and to another point, I felt that you were kind of just about to touch on, and I wasn't such a loud mouth and rude. <laughs> I would have let you make it. <laughs> you know, this is, Greg Berhalter has said, this is a 30-man effort, and it's going to be a rotational basis of these three games. Um, and it's going to be a 30-man effort. So I think you may have really hit on an interesting point. There may be time to let a Reggie Cannon go out there and get a run um, and see what happens. And then just play a little shuffle at fullback uh, and even tweak to a three-back. Who knows? Um, for me, he's got to be out there, period. No excuse. Yeah, ultimately, you play your best 11 based upon ability. He is in that category, whether it be as a, a wing back or a traditional fullback out of a floor. So he's got to be a part of it. There was reason to question him. You can't question his ability, but his, his fit in this team, I think you're spot on. It just is not working. Yeah, I mean, right now it doesn't look like his style is fitting into what this team is supposed to be doing. Um and I was going to ask, you know, you got a kid like Gio Reyna. We all know what his dad did. We all know what he, you know, back in 2002 in South Korea, you know, getting a win over Portugal, a 1-1 draw against South Korea, the Dulce Cero victory against Mexico in the round of 16, especially assisting on that first goal uh, for Brian McBride. You would like to think because his dad has done it in the past that he would lean on him for these types of games, these these types of World Cup qualifying games that you've got to go through everything and anything in Central America and in the Caribbean and in Mexico at the Azteca. Do you think he heeded his father's advice if he did ask for it tonight? Or do you think he just wanted to learn on his own to see what he's going to get involved with? Well, I think, for one, they're very different players. Uh, Gio's much more of an active, proactive player in the final third, likes to get forward, can make those bursts. I thought I thought Claudio was more of a, of a general who knitted midfields together and could play that number six or even as a box-to-boxer. I see Gio as, as more of a dynamic uh, attacking presence coming from a deeper role in midfield. So there's a, a fundamental difference between the roles between father and son there. He did look lost tonight. Um, I don't think he was possibly cast in his best possible light. I, I'd like to see him like he does with Dortmund, where he can you know, come in wide from the left or he can start from a deeper role. We saw some of that from him tonight. Um, again, it didn't come together because it looked like a team that was playing together for the first time. And I think... His individual game is, is thrives on understanding and familiarity, and we've seen it. His rapport with uh, Erling Holland is flawless, and it's 
certain players have that. You know, we saw it with Danny Alves and Leo Messi uh, at Barcelona, and I'm not comparing them in terms of accomplishments, but in just in terms of reporters and being in, in sync, I think they kind of have that same type of understanding together. Uh, but I don't see that understanding with Gio Reyna with anybody for the United States, you know, whether it will be Tyler Adams, who's obviously the out-and-out marshal of midfield. I, I don't see Reyna having an understanding with him. I don't see, you know, Reyna having a report with Josh Sargent, who's, you know, God bless him, is dropping deep and working his socks off and it. Comrade De La Fuente, uh, I just—it it is so disjointed there. It's—it was almost eleven groups of strangers coming together as one and trying to make the best of it, like an all-star team almost. Um, so Gio's role—he's a funny one. He, you know, he—he he can light it up, and sometimes he can look rather ordinary. I thought tonight was more of the latter. Um, I certainly expect more out of him. I certainly hope he gets more chances, which obviously he does. I think. In terms of ceiling and potential, he's probably, you know, the best that we have. Um, and, and it's including the high potential of this current so-called golden generation. But, you know, I, I, I'm, I'd, I'd hate to go back to a bone of contention here, Dan, but I'm so tired of people making arguments about potential and how good we are. It's about what you do, not about how good you can be. Until this team does something, they are a shadow of the O2 team. They haven't done anything more than the 18 team yet. So, and it's not a reflection of them, and it's not their fault. But let's stop giving them all this plaudits, and let's stop crowning them, you know, the preordained kings of Concacaf because they are not. And the way they played tonight surely showed that, and surely proved that point to a T. You got to earn it, and other teams have earned it. The O2 team earned it. And they're far less talented than this team. This team, no doubt about it, is the most talented array of individual players that the United States has ever seen in the history of its soccer program. But in terms of putting that together on a field, that remains to be seen. They shouldn't be given the credit for this potential until they actually realize it. That's what really gets under my skin. And we're, it's, it's indicative whether it be media or culture or fans or whatever, that we get wrapped up in this potential. And it's great to be excited and optimistic, but hey, you've got to do it. You've got to go out there and prove it. And tonight, against an El Salvador team, not the greatest, very well coached, we didn't do it. So, and, and what have we? What has this group done? Yes, they've won CONCACAF Nations League and they've done the Gold Cup. Great. And you take that with a great assault. This is where it counts. And until you actually do it, until you actually get to the finish line, you shouldn't be judged on your race until you finish the race. For me. And that's where you guys say you got to throw out those two titles. You have to throw out the Gold Cup title. You have to throw out the Nations League title. You have to know that this is, these are the games that truly matter, Christian. These are the games that really set you apart from a continental tournament, whether you win it or not. Obviously, Italy, they won the Euros. It was fantastic. Italy now has to prove that their deletion from Russia, just like our deletion from Russia, was a blip on the screen. Got to go out and got to prove why the talent is better, not just individually for those club sides in Europe, but also 
on the national team going through World Cup qualifying. And I think this is where Mexico, and people are going to probably hate me for saying this, but the truth is, this is what Mexico does. Mexico does not care about who their opponents are, with the exception of the U.S., because they always want to prove that they're better. And if they're not better against us, well, then they'll give an excuse. Whatever. It's okay. But they go out there, and they have the mindset in World Cup qualifying, whether it be at the Azteca or on the road, to say, we are coming, we are here, and we're ready to kick your ass. And we don't care who you are, what you are, or where you come from within the region. We believe we are the kings of CONCACAF. We believe we are the ones that you got to beat us or... As the good old man known as Ric Flair would always say, if you want to be the man, you've got to beat the man. And that's what Mexico does. And at the moment, I think the USA is still lacking that bit of a uh, mental – of a, on the mental side of power in this region of world football. You like that? I love it. I love. I love it because I love that Mexico is the Ric Flair of Cacaf. I couldn't have said it better, man. That's that's brilliant. But you know, <laughs> Mexico knows what it wants to do. Mexico has no bones about how they want to play and what they want to do. Can you say the same about the United States? I can't. No. Mexico, the United the United States doesn't know how it wants to play. And it hasn't for a long time. And that's the difference. Um, And even a man to a man in Mexico, we should be beating Mexico in resounding fashion. But they're the kings of Congregat. There's a reason why Mexico wasn't that distraught about losing in Vegas last month in the Gold Cup. And and no disrespect to the Gold Cup and no disrespect to the Congregat Nations League, but this is where the big boys and this is where it counts. And Mexico's mm-hmm. actually playing with all of their big boys, but Mexico can't be bothered with the CONCACAF Nations League, and they can't be bothered about the Gold Cup, and that showed in the way they performed. This is where it counts. Um, so, yeah, and this is where the U.S. has to be judged. I don't give a rat's, you know what, about the CONCACAF Nations League. Personally, for me, it's glorified friendly, and you take the, you take the crown upon a tournament based upon friendlies. And the Gold Cup, yes, I believe in a regional championship, but it's not exactly to the level that it needs to be, nor is it executed well enough to be considered amongst the Euros or Copa America, which it should be, because it deserves that. Um, that's another show and another whole issue you could do a <laughs> show on. But it's, and it needs that. But you know, it, that, the, the point being is it doesn't matter. This is what matters. It's the only thing that matters in CONCACAF is World Cup qualifying. So they are the kings. We're not the kings. And to crown us upon individual potential and achievement and club accolades, it's how many players are playing in Europe. I mean, nine of the 11 were in, uh, based upon Europe tonight. Sure didn't show to me because there was not one single European player based in this El Salvador first 11 that made us look devoid of ideas, disjointed, Halfless, 
at times rattled, easy to get under our, our skin, which you have to expect when you're heavy favorites. It has to get chippy. It's going to get thorny. It's going to be late niggling challenges. Can't react the way we did. You're cool. I didn't see that. I, I'm disappointed in the temperament of the team. Um, I like the fight of the team, but the temperament is a little different. There's, there is a difference between the two. So, but you know what? It's not all doom and gloom. Um, I think the United States, to its credit, is always a team that, when we're downcast as we are right now after the, a substandard showing and they fail to check all the boxes, they respond. I fully expect them to respond. And, and the United States is always up for a fight. And I think they'll give the, I think they'll give Canada a fight, man for man, mm-hmm. whether we see any cohesive football or, you know, an execution of ideas or identity or, or tactics or style. That's another question. I'd like to see it. I don't really have a lot of big hopes for it. Um, there will be fight, and there will be graft. But that gets you so far. You know, you can ask the Welsh, ask the English that. Historically, you need more than that. You need quality, and you need ideas. And you talked about Italy. The antithesis of the United States team right now and the way we're held. It's a team that came together of good players, not world-class, but good players that came together, flew under the radar, and got it done cohesively as a unit. And, and the credit to the coaching staff of Roberto Mancini. That is something that is so far beyond what the United States has right now. Uh, and it's, it's on the distant horizon. So that's, for me, what you want to achieve as a team. And I don't see it. I don't see any of it. But we'll see. It could be, you know, we could be having an entirely different conversation one day after this first round of, you know, the octagonal is over and we could put on a barnstorming performance, which I would put the U.S. past against Canada. Uh, but I think Canada is a very well-coached team. I like Herdsman. I think he's a adroit, smart manager, and he's got a, his own golden generation. They don't give a rat, you know what, about the United States and our players playing the Bundesliga or wherever they may be playing in the Serie A or the Premier League. So I'm excited for that one. It's going to be good. Oh, it will be. It will be. Let's go ahead and just recap some scores here from the opening match day of uh, Octagon World Cup qualifying in CONCACAF. Obviously, the first one tonight was Canada hosting Honduras at BMO Field in Toronto. That ended up in a 1-1 draw. Basically, both goals scored from the penalty spot. Uh, And then, of course, you had Panama with a 0-0 draw at home against Costa Rica. Ticos get a point on the road. And then, of course, what might have been uh, all four matches being a draw, Mexico finding a way, as always, at the Azteca to defeat Jamaica 2-1 with a silent Azteca Hmm. as uh, the Mexico fans facing their reduced two-match ban into a one-match ban for the continuation of that Terrible, disgusting chant. So Jamaica, which had an opportunity to steal a point away from the Azteca, they just forget how to bunker in, and it was Mexico so far at the moment leading the octagon 
in the in the table at the moment with the full three points out of all of these matches. Um, it doesn't it doesn't matter if you silence a crowd. It doesn't matter if you have a roaring crowd. Mexico will always find a way to get the full three points at home, whether you, whether they like it or not. And they squeaked it out. I mean, you know, with Martin, who got the goal on the stroke of full time and the depleted Mexico team uh, due to COVID guidelines, you know, no Linez, no Herrera, no Jimenez. Um, the Funes Mori experiment continues up top, which didn't really appear to pay dividends. I didn't see the game. Um, I can only judge upon the way I've what I saw through the Gold Cup and the most recent outings and you know, Mexico talk about failing to impress. They you know, right there with the United States that have failed to really impress based upon tonight's showing. Um they got three points and you know, you're right, Dan. It's they got three points when it counted the Azteca, even though it's not you know, we're used to seeing it as the attack the Azteca. Um and the hats off to them. And it is a huge round of qualifying for Tata Martino. I think he's going to take a minimum of at least six points out of the possible nine in this first round after based upon what has happened this summer for him. I think he's taking a lot of heat because um, the Mexico team that, you know, for all the possession and technical skill, really haven't really asked the questions of the opposition as this, as they should and based upon the caliber of players they have. But uh, we'll see. Uh, they got the job done, and you know what? They got it done, but we didn't, and you know, two points up on us, 13 games to go, game on in CONCACAF. That's right, game on. I still think this is going to be very exciting, Christian, obviously. I mean, there's still plenty of games remaining. we got two more left in this uh, international uh, week uh, for these World Cup qualifiers. I think some of these World Cup qualifiers have been a lot of fun. Um, the one... The one match, and obviously I didn't see it because it's too late for me to stay up all night long to watch what goes on in Asia. What goes on in Asia. But can you believe Oman defeating Japan one goal to nil? That's unheard of. To seeing a nation like Oman that, you know, not not one of the powers of the AFC. And then they just come out of nowhere pull out a big freaking goal and they do it in Tokyo. That's amazing. I mean, come on. Who isn't a fan of Oman and, and goal scorer Isam Al-Sabi in the 88th minute? <laughs> and by the way, Dan, you watch more football than anybody I probably know, and so of course I'm not at all surprised that you're watching Asian World Cup qualifiers at God knows what hour it is out there for you. But God bless you, sir. Um, and, hey, you know what? That's a, that's a huge upset because, you know, Japan at home certainly should be capable of much more. I don't much know how I do it sometimes. Heavyweights in Asia. What's that? <laughs> I don't know how I do it sometimes. I mean, I don't know. I, I think I it might either. be the bottle. I, 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 I think so. it might be the bottle. I, I could be wrong, but... <laughs> Maybe it's the sushi. We'll see. But uh, <laughs> I keep track. Listen, I keep track of everything. I, I follow. I don't care where it is, man. I don't care where it is. It could be in your backyard. It could be in my backyard. It could be somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the Pacific Ocean, 
Hell, it could be the Gulf of Mexico. It could be uh, the River Na, <laughs> the River Sands. There's a match. I, I'm I'll watch you. it. I'm, I don't I'm care. With you. I'm with you, pal. Just don't like me to just don't just don't get into a tactical breakdown of the Algeria eight nil win over Djibouti because I can't really help you with that one. <laughs> I draw the line there too. Don't worry. There'll be no tactical asking from me on that. I promise. I promise it won't happen. But I'll tell you, <laughs> we gotta we gotta bring our old friend Gaza back with us. And like so, Gaz, talk about England, and he'll we know what he'll say. They're just a bunch of you know what. <laughs> oh, yeah, poor Gaz. Poor Gaz. Oh yes. Love, love the gas, yeah. He love he loves his marijuana references in relation to soccer. <laughs> so it was him with the Cheech and Chong uh, tapes, huh? <laughs> uh, I, 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 I gotta tell you about gas. God bless him. We were doing a Serie game, and it was the uh, it was in Palermo, I think it was. I think it was Catania, Palermo, probably got about two thousand ten, two thousand eleven. The player out there was making some really strange decisions, you know, making the wrong run. Everything he did was basically out of sync with the rest of the team. He was uh, oh, it was Jonathan Spinacy for Catania, and uh, ah. we used to call I used, I used to call him Il Rodento, the road, because he looked exactly like something you might find under a log in your backyard. Um, hell of a player, though. Uh-oh. And 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 I remember Gaz was sitting there and he's like, Malty. I don't know, and he came up and he had a face full of turf after making this courageous run, which is ultimately misguided. He's like, Malsey, I don't know what he's doing, but he's got a face full of full of grass, but it looks like he's been smoking it based upon the way he's been playing it tonight. And, I'm just, and I looked over at him and I was like, did you just say that on national television? And he just had this big, you know, cat eat the canary grin right out across his face. Classic. <laughs> yep. Love that man. Oh, I, I know. I know. He's great. He's fantastic. Oh, man. It's it's it, it it's great when you talk to him. It's great when you have these conversations with him talking, <laughs> talking about <laughs> talking football. He's just brilliant, man. He's just absolutely brilliant. I, he's he's, what he's we not at a loss for him? words, is he? Never. Well, we, pro- we probably talk a lot. We what we probably get a few more words in first of all. <laughs> <laughs> and we might get, yeah, might get a few more drinks in too. That's right. <laughs> if if you think there are certain things that will make you drink some more, no, 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 no. You haven't experienced an afternoon or an evening with Gary Richards, ladies and gentlemen. That man can definitely tell many, many wonderful stories. Yes, yes. And sometimes the afternoons bleed into the evenings. I can personally <laughs> attest. Yes, you can. Definitely. <laughs> oh, man. Final thoughts tonight, uh, Christian. After everything we've seen, it wasn't the prettiest of matches. It wasn't the greatest of games. They did get a point out of it, but overall, what would you give an overall score? One through between one and ten, one being the worst. Mm, four. 
I, you know, like I, I don't want to be doom and gloom, and but I, you know, at the same point, I don't want to blow smoke up anybody's, you know what? Let's be real. Um, yep. Teams got potential. They didn't realize it. They are way off their potential, both collectively and individually. They can do better. I expect them to do better. I think they'll bounce back. I mean, I'm an optimist by nature, and I don't want to be doom and gloom, but. You know, let's, let's let's not be disingenuous here and, and get on this soccer pundit train where we're the best in the world and our players play like this and we've got all this potential and we can do this. No, 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 no. Look at what you've done and go from there. We haven't done anything yet. And they know that. And I'm sure that's central to the message to, to Greg Berhalter. Let's see if they respond. I'm expecting a much better reaction from this effort tonight. And hopefully they'll, they're going to need it against Canada. This is a very good Canada team. I agree. I absolutely agree. they got to be careful with Canada. You cannot mess around with them. They have really improved. And at the same time, I, I think their golden generation right now just got a taste of what World Cup qualifying is going to be like. So they just got to be careful on Sunday. Head on down into Music City uh, in Nashville, Tennessee. And all they got to do is just go out and play their game and be a lot better than what they showed tonight down in San Salvador. Christian, thank you again for your time. I appreciate it. Hope to have you back on again soon uh, for these uh, September qualifiers. You have a good evening with you and your family. And thank you once again. All right. Go to bed. Get some rest, buddy. Thanks for having me. All right. You got it. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Christian Miles, formerly of Fox Soccer Channel. Also, Pac-12 Networks works at Spectrum Sportsnet in Los Angeles, covering the LA Galaxy, doing radio as well on the Galaxy and everything else. So, all you can say is, is that this USA team should have been a win. They get a point. And unfortunately... It just was not what we were expecting. But once again, this is still CONCACAF. But once again, this team should have done better. So I want to thank Christian Miles once again for joining me tonight. Join me again this coming Sunday for post-game of World Cup qualification, USA hosting Canada at Nissan Stadium, home of the Tennessee Titans in Nashville, Tennessee. I will have Carter Krishnar on with me on Sunday. And uh, at 10 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Pacific. And we'll, for, we'll inform you if I get any other guests to join Cardick and me for post-match show. And it should be a lot of fun and excitement. Once again, thanks to Christian Miles. I'm Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you for listening to me tonight, early morning. And as always, please enjoy your football final score, El Salvador nil. The United States nil. It's a point for both sides. And now it's time to see what they can do on Sunday against Canada at Nissan Stadium. Have a good evening. Take care so long. And bye-bye for now.